Hello, hello. You're listening to Art House Garage, the snob-free film community, where we discuss art house, indie, and classic cinema, and we promise not to talk down to you. I'm your host, Andrew Sweatman, and today we are discussing a film that is pretty unique, somewhat controversial, and Oscar-nominated. That film is Jojo Rabbit. More about that in a second, but I wanted to first highlight some exciting Art House Garage news. We just launched an email newsletter. This is designed to keep you connected to top-level film news, provide streaming movie recommendations, and highlight the latest reviews and podcast episodes from arthousegarage.com. Since Arthouse Garage is based in Arkansas and we love to support local, the email newsletter will also connect you to the film news and events happening here in our state. If you are a film lover in Arkansas, don't miss it. You can sign up at arthousegarage.com slash subscribe. And if you know about any upcoming Arkansas film events that I may have missed, make sure to email me, andrew at arthousegarage.com, and let me know so I can spread the word. Alright, enough about that. Back to today's movie. Director Taika Waititi has brought us a handful of charming, hilarious, and touching films in the form of What We Do in the Shadows, Hunt for the Wilder People, Thor Ragnarok, and now this one, Jojo Rabbit, which has won a few awards this year already and now been nominated for six Oscars for film editing, production design, costume design, and adapted screenplay, plus Scarlett Johansson for supporting actress and the big one, best picture. But what is it about? We will keep this discussion spoiler-free for those who haven't seen it yet, and I highly recommend that you do, but the basic plot is this. A sweet 10-year-old boy named Jojo, played by Roman Griffin Davis, has joined the Hitler Youth in Nazi Germany and is very gung-ho about his Nazism. This becomes a problem when he discovers his mother, played by Scarlett Johansson, is secretly hiding a young Jewish girl, played by Thomas and McKenzie, in their home. Throughout this story, he is also accompanied by his imaginary friend, Adolf Hitler himself, played hilariously by the director, Taika Waititi. Joining me for this discussion once again is Hot Springs, Arkansas film critic Philip Price, host of Tavern Talk by Initial Reaction on YouTube, and who appeared on a previous episode of this podcast to discuss the film Waves. If you're unfamiliar with Philip's work, he is an incredibly hardworking and prolific producer of written and video film reviews, which you can find over at his website, reviewsfromabed.com. I was thrilled to have him back and get his thoughtful take on this unique film. Here is our discussion of Jojo Rabbit. Today you boys will be involved in such activities as war games, ah! ambush techniques, them blowing stuff up. I don't think I can do this. Was? Of course you can. When I was your age, I had an imaginary friend come in so much trouble. Kids, it's time to burn some books. Growing up too fast, ten-year-olds shouldn't be celebrating war and talking politics. Hitler, I wish more of our young boys had your blind fanaticism. <laughs> thank you so much for joining me today, Philip. Welcome to Art House Garage. Yeah, no, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. I'm excited to to be on and to talk about the movies. Yeah, absolutely. So we're going to talk today about Jojo Rabbit. Uh, so first of all, how many times did you see Jojo Rabbit? How recently did you see it? Well, see, that's the thing. I've only seen Jojo Rabbit once, and it was probably just over a month ago now. Um, yeah. But I do want to see it again soon. So 
Um, I'll definitely see it before like the award shows kick up and everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, no shame. It's about the same for me. I think it was maybe over a month, and uh, it's uh, I only yeah. saw it the once. But I really um, had a, a, a strong response to it. I thought it was uh, really good. So one of the controversies I have seen around it though is uh, it has a very specific tone. It kind of goes from more broad comedy to kind of more serious dramatic moments. I've seen some people saying right. that it's uh, criti- criticizing it for the way it's switching between those, saying it doesn't handle it well, or even saying it might be disrespectful to, I don't know, war and, and World War II. Um, what do you make of the tone? Um, I think that, you know, even though a lot of time has passed, people are still very uh, sensitive to, mm-hmm. like, the horrors that the Nazis committed and were responsible for. Um, but I think it's, uh, in service of such a, um, a promising message or, um, just a, such a positive message, Mm -hmm. um, that I think, you know, or I would hope that it's respectful enough to it that even people who were involved in those events would understand why, uh, Taika Waititi is using them to kind of make an example, uh, for modern day audiences. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I completely agree with you. I think uh, it does. There was a couple of moments when I was kind of in a more serious emotional headspace and a, and a, a joke basically happened. It kind of pulled me out of it a little bit. So I, I might criticize it on a just a filmmaking level, but I, I didn't find it disrespectful either. Um, I think it does take the war seriously uh, and Nazism yes. seriously, even as it's poking fun at different things. Um, yeah, so I, I would agree with you on that. Speaking of the Nazism, I think that's the other controversy I've seen is some people saying it, it empathizes too much with Nazis or, um, yeah. So did you have an opinion on that question? Yeah, really? I, I, I really wasn't, um, aware that that was kind of consensus around, mm-hmm. um, I can, I mean, I can certainly see how that is perceived given, um, you know, it's, well, it's just difficult because your main character is this 10 year old boy yeah. who, you know, you automatically want to be compassionate to a child yeah. no matter what. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but but that, because he is kind of this fanatic um, that has, I mean, he's known nothing else in his life though. Yeah. This is his perspective on everything. Like mm-hmm. he doesn't know how outrageous and ridiculous these views and um, presumptions about, you know, Jewish people are mm-hmm. like, that's just, that's that's normal to him. So um, I don't think it's crazy to be empathetic towards uh, this character in particular. That said, it's it's tough, you know, admittedly yeah. tough to make a movie about this kid or about a kid who you kind of don't like, yeah. <laughs> you know, from the get go. Yeah. Um, so, and I think that's kind of what you were talking about about uh, how Taika would insert the comedy when mm-hmm. things would get a little too heavy. Uh, it almost felt like a little bit of a scapegoat. Um, because he does use it so sparingly, uh, and it is him. You feel like he's just like, okay, hold on, guys, let's not get too heavy here. Time for a joke. I'm gonna, yeah. yeah, yeah, time for a joke. Uh, so no, I, I'm I'm definitely with you on that that plane about how um, I think he managed the tone well. You know, we were talking about the balance uh, balancing act because that's probably the biggest um, challenge of this movie is just balancing the comedy and uh, the seriousness of the drama that, that the movie entails. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, I think he, he does a good job, especially considering the weight of the drama and how the kind of ridiculousness of the comedy. I think there's, there is a good balance there, but I do think he kind of leans on it as a crutch 
um, you know, a little too frequently sometimes. Yeah. Uh, and I kind of wish yeah, there was more of it, honestly. Mm, yeah. Yeah. I, I think I agree with that, that, so like on the, the tone question, really the, the big moment I can think of is kind of at the end and I won't spoil anything, but there's a, basically a battle happening and you're kind of seeing the horrors of war. And then, yeah. um, Sam Rockwell's character suddenly kind of breaks the, breaks that emotion with something funny um that has been referenced and kind of set up so I, I, it landed as a joke but it that was the one moment that it kind of jerked me out of feeling what I, I felt like i was successfully feeling kind of the emotions of well this is horrible though it's happening to their country kind of thing but yeah, as far as the nazism goes i think it's i mean it's kind of a genius setup I have this this kid who yeah we immediately like and he's uh he's a really cute kid and he's um so passionate and then you know oh the thing he's passionate about is nazism and, and that probably credit for that probably goes to the the books i know it's based on a book right um, right but but yeah i think it does a good job at kind of poking fun at nazism while still saying these are real people who have gotten swept up in this uh and i think then you can parallel to modern times with you know, political statements that it could maybe make. But um, the, the, really the character that I struggle with a little bit, ultimately I, I think it works, is actually Sam Rockwell's character, whose name is uh, Captain Klinzendorf, because he is, <laughs> he's, he's a Nazi at the beginning of the movie, and he's kind of washed up and he's very funny. Um, but even at the end, he's doing something kind of heroic uh, for, for JoJo, um, even though he is, um, I don't know, he, he never renounces his Nazism or anything. Uh, so I, I think that it is tricky. I think there's a kind of a level so I can see why people would have an issue with it. And I think they made probably a huge, uh, I mean, you can tell in all the marketing pointing out this is satire, this is satire because on, on the surface, right. Oh, this is a movie about a, a nice Hitler in this boy's head. That's a, a crazy movie to make in 2019, but, um, <laughs> pushing that satire word all the time in the marketing, I think it, it it worked and seems to hopefully I, I don't know how well it did at the box office not huge numbers but it seemed to land well and uh generally favorable well, I from mean, what i'm hearing but yeah fox searchlight gave taika the go ahead to make another original yeah, so it must have done all right for him yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah oh what did you think of taika's performance by the way uh, or did you have any other kind of favorite performances or characters in the in the movie yeah, I, I was, you know, talking about Sam Rockwell's character. Um, it, it's funny because, you know, he's kind of been pigeonholed the last couple mm -hmm. years of playing like this despicable kind of person or racist or, yeah. you know, whatever, or Nazi and um, who kind of comes around and, uh, you know, kind of turns that stereotype around into, you know, something you're not necessarily suspecting or yeah. more understanding or just, you know, more well-rounded of a person by the end of the movie. Um, and, you know, he, he knows how to play it and he's so hmm. charming and his presence is so um, just infectious that like, it's like, Oh, okay. Like I, I can get on board for that. And I kind of, you know, I did here again, you know um, just like, like with three billboards, like yeah. I was, you know, I was like, I was like, okay, you know, I was compassionate towards his care. I was surprised mm. that he had as much of an arc here yeah. as he did. Yeah. Um, same. So I was kind of, okay. Um, you know, um, but I really liked, uh, you know, we were talking about, uh, 
Jojo, the title character, the the little kid earlier, mm. uh, Roman Griffin Davis is, I mean, it's his first movie really. And, and he was really good, you know, like he's carrying the, the weight of this, yeah. you know, complicated narrative. And I thought he was really good, but the, the standout to me was, uh, was Thomas and McKenzie yeah, uh, as, as Elsa. Yeah. yeah. Um, she's the one who I would put, like if I was voting for stuff, she's the one I'd put in uh, supporting actress uh, yeah. and the one that would be like the highlight of this movie as far as awards attention goes. Yeah. Um, I just thought she was really good in, um, cause I mean, she has to be this just scared, um, you know, completely frightened child. I mean, she's still a child herself. She's a teenager, but um, I mean, she's very much uh, a child within this world, uh, this, that where this war is happening and uh, her, you know, her, religion or is under attack or you know mm-hmm. people of her faith are under attack and um and so she has to be just frazzled 24 7 but to come off with this kind of confidence and mm-hmm. kind of turn jojo's perception of her you know to play with it the way she does i thought was was really brilliant and i uh uh, she was just very much the standout of the whole piece for me. I completely agree with that. I think, yeah, she has to be believably scared, but also believably charming. Yeah. Towards Jojo to not yeah. only uh, almost romantically, it, it seems like, but also uh, just turning his, helping to turn his, the tide on his, his whole brain and, and uh, his feelings towards Jewish people. Yeah, I, I agree. Yeah. I'd only <laughs> seen her before in, um, um, blanking on the name of the movie, she's off the grid with her father, Ben Foster. It is called uh, Leave No Trace. Leave No Trace, yes. Uh, which she's yeah, such a different okay. character. So this I really see her range in those two performances. In that she plays someone very quiet and reserved, and um, it kind of everything's under the surface. And there's some of that here too that you can tell. Uh, there's a lot internally that you can kind of see in the performance. But um, this is a lot bigger and uh, more lively too, and it's really energetic in a way that I thought was great. Yeah. Same, same for Roman Griffin Davis as Jojo. I think he, yeah, carries this amazingly well and is really funny. Um, one other standout I wanted to throw out was his friend Yorkie played by Archie Yates. Yeah. who's barely in it, but he's so good. Uh, and apparently that kid is going to be in the reboot of home alone. I saw in the news the other day, uh, which I think is oh, pretty that's great. Right. I did see that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, he was, he was, I wanted more of him yeah. of their dynamic. Really? That yeah. was because mm. yeah, the moments we do get with them are really, are really funny. <laughs> He's just like the roundest, you know, round face, round glasses, round body. And they make like kind of jokes about that. And it, oh, it's so funny. He was, uh, yeah, scene, he's very much a uh, sure. little Nick Frost. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Definitely that, that vibe. To, uh, to, yeah. To Jojo's, uh, Simon Pegg. Oh my gosh, that's like, <laughs> I wanted more of that. That's perfect. They should just let them to remake Shaun of the Dead yeah, or something. That, of the Dead that's for kids. the one they need to remake. Perfect. Leave Home Alone <laughs> alone <laughs> exactly. and let them do, let them get with Edgar Wright. That'd be uh, great. <laughs> that is perfect. I didn't even think of the, the Shaun of the Dead connection there. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> the one other thing I, I wanted to, we were talking about Sam Rockwell, but uh, Alfie Allen plays his kind of yeah. like cohort. The guy from, uh, he was in John Wick is probably where mm-hmm. most people will recognize him from. But uh, I, I liked their dynamic too. And they're, I think they were in it like the perfect amount and shared, yeah. uh, or, you know, for the, uh, you know, the prominence of, Rockwell's character arc. I thought they were, mm. they were in it just just the right amount of time, and uh, you know, a lot of good relationships going on yeah. in here. I think that that's, um, that's something I've noticed in Taika's other movies too. That he, like, even these kind of side relationships that are not very central, feel like they really are coworkers and friends, and that kind of makes the world feel 
real and bigger, even though it's obviously constructed and you can almost see kind of like, um, I don't know, I thought of Wes Anderson a lot with this, especially in the beginning as they're in almost these scout uniforms and just a constructed world in that way. Oh, yeah. The set design is obviously very particular, but it does feel like a real world because of those relationships. Yeah. Yeah. Even the shot setup, like uh, the, the first shot, a couple shots we see are just like very static still, mm-hmm. you know, on uh, Jojo getting dressed. Yeah. It definitely felt and very, like panning uh, very through these streets and kind of following him walking and uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I also, I want to just yeah, say, I love much. the um, opening credits with the Beatles song. It's such an energetic oh, yeah. opening and uh, yeah. Also felt West West Andersonian, if that's the way to say that. And honestly, uh, you know, when I came out of it, like I said, um, you know, I, it's been just over a month since I've seen this. So uh, coming over, coming out of it, I was a little lukewarm as compared to, you know, kind of the hype I'd heard going into yeah. it. Um, but just in talking about it with you, uh, and you know, kind of remembering these these relationships throughout the movie, um, they've left kind of more of an impact than I maybe suspected they did. So yeah, you know, kudos to, to Jojo Rabbit for that. Uh, uh, you know, I wasn't as high on it initially, but um, yeah. it's making me want to rewatch it even more. So, uh, yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah. Well, let's see. One more thing I wanted to uh, touch base with on it, and then we can kind of wrap up our discussion. Uh, but so there is something I'm going to kind of avoid a spoiler here, but there's um, uh, something that happens in JoJo's family that is um, a big emotional moment towards the end of the movie. And this is one that initially when it happens i it kind of pulled me out of it and i um i wasn't sure if i i wasn't sure if i liked it as a filmmaking uh, from a filmmaking standpoint i guess that it worked well for the movie uh but the more i think about it the more i think it probably was okay it 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 kind of shatters the the bubble i guess of um the the comedy and it's been mostly relatively light tone until something this big thing happens. Um, what did you, right. what did you feel about that scene? Honestly, that was the moment, um, in my initial viewing that sold it for me. Really? Wow. Um, okay. Yeah. It was the one where it was like, it was, it showed that it could take it to that next mm. level of, um, you know, uh, of the balance in the, the drama and the comedy. Um, but that it wasn't just contained to this certain bubble of, uh, you know, or contained, it wasn't limited to go in a certain, you know, a certain limited direction with its comedy or with its drama. It showed me yeah. it would actually kind of face real world consequences mm-hmm. and um, more, you know, further, uh, furthermore, past, you know, just how it hit me from an emotional standpoint. I thought how Taika executed it as a director was just, uh, I thought it was a perfect way to kind of deliver the gut punch uh, that yeah. was intended. So it yeah. was actually like from, you know, I was kind of going back and forth on like, cause I really, you know, Taika is an interesting, you know, character in and of itself <laughs> yeah. and as a director, uh, cause I think he gets, you know, a lot of praise. Um, for being so quirky and out mm-hmm. there and just people love his personality, which is great. He does seem like, you know, like obviously I don't know him personally, but he, he seems like a fun guy to be around. But, um, you know, his movies kind of 
have felt like sometimes they'll get a pass just because people like him as a person. Mm, yeah. Uh, like not, not to say anything like I didn't like any of his movies. I think Hunt for the Wilder People and, and Thor Ragnarok are, are really fun, but I didn't think maybe they were as deserved of the praise they, yeah. they'd gotten. Maybe not weighty in the way this one uh, is. With that. And it was just like, uh, you know, they're not as strange as mm, people yeah. make them out to be. And so yeah, like, yeah. even with this one up until that point, I was like, this isn't as just like kind of weird and out there and loony as uh, I thought a movie about a kid with, uh, mm-hmm. you know, a pretend Hitler friend would be. But um, when it hit that moment, I was like, oh, that that hit me like yeah. that. That and the way he executed it was like, oh, that was striking. Like yeah. it, it was the it was the one moment where it was like, okay, yeah. you you have a grasp on what you're doing here and you know what, you know what you want to get out of the audience. So mm. that was the, that was kind of the moment from, you know, second one that, uh, that I was like, okay, you, you sold me on it. Nice. I'm cool. in. Yeah. I think that the more I thought about it, it, it does something. So one of my very favorite movies is similar in some ways. And that is life is beautiful, which is an, a much older movie. Uh, but it's a it's about not seen that. the Holocaust. It's an Italian movie. I, I watched it for class actually, and then I found out like a lot of movie people really love it, and I thought it was fantastic. Basically, it's a Holocaust comedy, which sounds completely irreverent on the surface, but essentially it does kind of a similar thing where it sets up a pretty good life that this guy has, and it's it's very funny and charming and almost dreamlike in how how wonderful it is it's just a very happy movie and then the holocaust comes to town basically and and shatters it all and i think that this moment in jojo does a similar thing and i think because it is such a shift a tonal shift that it i I'm just maybe mm-hmm. scrutinizing it more but um i think it does work and i think uh i i don't i think i still life like life is beautiful better but um yeah I, it worked for me as well I, that is one that i've seen a little bit of controversy around as well as uh, whether that moment was handled well in, in Jojo, but I think it was. Yeah. So it looks really? like we're in agreement. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, I think mean, I we could definitely could, see yeah. how it would be a little too jarring, you know, um, given the tone up until that point. But yeah, I don't know. I don't know what it was. It was just, uh, it was just the moment that, that kind of sold it to me. So yeah. I don't, I need to see life is beautiful though. I, I know I've yeah. heard of that and, uh, uh, I know it, it's got a lot of, awards attention and you know back in the day or like it was late 90s probably but yeah. um yeah I, I've, I've heard a lot about that i i, I still haven't watched it i need to, I yeah. need to give that a viewing also similar in that the director stars in it and and, and he's sort of the comedic centerpiece of it in a way uh, and it's roberto benigni is his name oh, interesting. Uh, he they it won the foreign language oscar okay. that year uh, and uh, he's apparently yeah. he's a pretty big deal but beyond that movie it's the only movie of his that i've seen but um it's it's really very funny and, and very moving as well. So yes, we'll recommend, we'll end, end our Jojo rabbit podcast by recommending another movie. Life is beautiful, but also it sounds like we both recommend Jojo rabbit pretty highly. Yeah, no, I definitely think it's, it's the worst thing. And, um, it is, you know, an experiment enough on its own. And, you know, especially if you're not familiar with Taika's work, I mm-hmm. think, uh, it would be a good introduction to his kind of style. Yeah. Uh, and then to go back and maybe dig in the, what we do in the shadows yes yeah, so, yeah. So, uh, yeah no i would too. definitely you know i may not like just keep adoration on top of it but i i did really enjoy it and definitely think it's a good thing great well cool thank you so much for joining us for this discussion and uh we hope to have you back again very soon Absolutely. philip thanks so much yeah no problem thank you 
thank you again to Philip for being back, and thank you to you for listening to this episode. If you want to stay up to date on Art House Garage, sign up for our email newsletter at arthousegarage.com slash subscribe, and follow us on social media. We are at Art House Garage on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and Letterboxd, and you can see all of our reviews, videos, and podcasts at arthousegarage.com. Shoot me an email if you want to talk movies to andrew at arthousegarage.com, and stay tuned for more podcasts in the coming weeks. Till then, keep it snob-free. Snob-free.